everything to the dollar. This is a bisexual American history podcast. Where each week I, Perrier drinker. You devil. Literally, someone last night mentioned how they missed this, and Tim's like, it's coming back. You're pulling a Jesus with it. On an iPad. Who cares? Labradoodle Daddy. Uh, Dave Anthony reads a story from American history to his friend. Gareth Reynolds, who has no idea what the topic will be about. It's true, you don't. I don't. That's the ruse. Cool. Oh. Keep them on. Keep them on ring, guys. Let's keep them on ring. That's a weird one, though. That was just a text message. What yeah. do they say? Someone liked an Instagram. Wow, this guy's really testy. <laughs> I'm done with the phones. This has got to stop. Um, December seventh, nineteen fifty-four. Is our Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> Mark Hoffman was born. For those of you who don't know, <laughs> you're in for a ride. <laughs> oh shit, my watch just told me to move. Your what? My watch just told me to get up and move. <laughs> You're gonna have to ignore it. Sorry, I'm gonna need like five minutes. Oh my god. <laughs> Mark Hoffman was born in Salt Lake City, Utah, to William Hoffman and Lucille Sears. I don't get why they had different last names. Yeah, well, some people. Well, have you never but, heard of that? No, I've heard of it. <laughs> it's allowed. I would think in the Mormon religion in the 50s, that would be like weird. Right? I believe that was a time when they really, really preached independence in, for females. <laughs> and I know very little. Uh, Mark was a sixth generation Mormon. So. He's in. You ain't leaving. <laughs> They're fucking in. Yeah. Uh, his father uh, was, had been brought to Utah from Switzerland as an infant, uh, and his mother was born into Mormon polygamy after its abolishment. Okay. So, right. That, oh God, that doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. Anymore, mine. Mark's father uh, sold office machines. That's very uh, specific. In Salt Lake City. He didn't make a lot of money, but he was happy knowing he was raising a family devoted to Mormonism. Good. As we all are. Yeah. Uh, Mark underwent intensive indoctrination. Quote, from nursery school onward, children were instructed about the divine origin and absolute truth of the Book of Mormon and taught that their church was God's only true church uh-huh. and that they were members of a chosen people. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <clears throat> yeah, all tracks. Yeah. <laughs> Mark thrilled his parents when he was six by reciting long passages from Mormon scripture word for word. It just sounds fun. Like, as far as just, like, a childhood, that just sounds really fun. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like, sure, you want blocks and trains and yeah. shit, but also, isn't it fun to just memorize words you don't understand? Oh, my God. And it's just, it's not creepy at all to see a six-year-old doing that. Yeah, it's good. It's not even remotely creepy. No. Feel that little head. He would also sing, I want to go on a mission nonstop. Uh, I wish I knew the tune. Oh, I'm sure they could break it out right now. Uh, I'm picturing Danger Zone. (laughs) I want 
to go on a mission. I don't think it's anything like baby, that. Baby, I want to go on a mission. How many? I always wonder, like, how many Mormons discover, like, anal when they're on their mission? I mean, it is, you know, there's a glory hole. <laughs> By the Lord's light, I shall find out what is on the other side. <laughs> uh, at 12, like all Mormon children, he was ordained as a deacon in the Aaronic Brotherhood? Ironic. Aaronic? <laughs> oh, sorry. Right. By 14, he was a teacher. But, but, sorry, hold on. Yep. A deacon at 12? Like, I'm, I imagine if a 12-year-old was like talking to me about where I'm, I'd be like, buddy, come on. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. Go paint something, will you? Get out of here, you little scamp. What the hell are you talking about? I'm gonna tell you where you're going. Oh, you're gonna tell me where I'm going? Get out of here. You don't know anything. Uh, by 14, he was a teacher. Mm, good. I'd definitely be... Uh, now I'm comfortable. At 16, he was a priest. Jesus Christ. He's like the Doogie Hauser of Mormonism. <laughs> is this normal, or is this like a guy who's... It's normal. <clears throat> Wild to those of us who it's not normal to. Just say that. At 19. Twelve-year-old deacon. At 19, he shook Jesus' hand. 21, he lived in God's pocket. You could do a Frank Sinatra, like, when I was 21. Uh, at 19, ordained as... This is a fucked up word. As elders in the Melchizedek? Melchizedek? Priesthood? Is that a lateral move? Yeah, is that sure. an upgrade? I think it's an upgrade. It's an upgrade? Uh, yeah, I think that's a big one. I guess it would, I'm just going to picture it like Starfleet with different colored shirts. Yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. Deacon. Yes, what is it? Preacher of the Melchonic people? What is it? It doesn't sound randomly made up at all. No, no, no. Well, the thing is, when you say you found plates and people start pressing you, you a lot of on-the-fly thinking you've got yeah, to do. Yeah. Uh, then, no, there was another one. Holy shit. I wish they put some napkins with some of those plates. Sweat my balls off. <laughs> the Lord have sweateth my scrotum. He didn't have many close friends and was. Wonder why that was. What about his lifestyle? It's not one where peers want to be around you. He was bookish and introverted. No, he, he, he was forced to be bookish and introverted. No, it's just his style. No, it's the forced style. It's what he was into. No, it's not. I will keep pushing back. He was a bad student, but was into magic, chemistry, electronics, stamp, and coin collecting. There we go. One person tickled by that. His parents were convinced that he was destined to become a general authority, one of the 85 men who ran the Mormon church. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> sure. 85. General. Oh, wow. Just a number that naturally fell into place. <laughs> Mark went to Bristol, England for his mission. Uh... <laughs> what are you on about? Well, uh... 
Gentlemen, I understand you've had a few of those pints, but I'd like to talk to you about the church, uh, what the Lord is looking for. But, oh boy, you guys are really weird looking over here. Yeah, fuck out of here, fuck off. We've got our God, I think, haven't we? No, we haven't, no, we haven't got a God, no. We're, I, I, not, yeah, punching, yeah, we punch people. Yeah, yeah that's what ours is, yeah. Church of Punch. Yeah, then we'll cut throats. Have we been doing that? Oh my God. To hear a bit more then. <laughs> We've sex with the bodies through the chest. <laughs> and one of us is masturbating more. Spraying it on the others. How pissed are we getting? Quite <laughs> pissed, yeah, alright. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's that little kid gone? He was here a while ago. To run off suddenly. Pick his brain a bit. Uh, well, uh, he was in Bristol, he would write to his parents, brag about all the baptisms he had performed, and that he was going into libraries and bookstores and replace, replacing anti-Mormon books with Mormon books. That'll do it. That'll do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm a fucking bad boy. <laughs> that is kind of bad boy, right? All those anti-Mormon books in England. <laughs> that is rebellious, though. Mark also spent a lot of time in old bookstores looking for rare texts, hoping that he could find one that would make him rich. Okay. That's he weird. did not tell his parents he spent most of his time reading Fawn Brody's No Man Knows My History. After it was published, Bo Bodie was excommunicated from the LDS church. So I'm guessing this is not a positive nope. perspective. Nope. Right. Uh, so Mark returned to Salt Lake in 1976. Can you tell those escalators, everyone's holding signs? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the only time I've wanted to go on a mission. Every time we come here, you're like, ah, oh, look, it's so excited for the person. <laughs> we were going through the airport, and I'm like, how the fuck can Amish people fly? Uh, it was a great, it was a great walk. And I was like, how are there so many fucking Amish people? And then it took, I was like, no, I think that, no, there's no way they could. There's yeah. no way. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, the, I've seen Pick Love. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, They're the boot knockers. Yeah. Kid fucker, boot knocker, whatever. He <laughs> returned to Salt Lake. <laughs> he returned to Salt Lake City in 1976 and went to Utah State University. While he was there, he met Judy Smith. Uh -huh. uh, he had been called in to audit her faithfulness. I it's mean, a great way to meet your lady. What a better meet cute than when you're <laughs> testing the religious devotion. She was the first woman he ever dated or kissed. Well, there we go. This one ends in marriage. Yeah. <laughs> the first lady I touch your wiener, you're like, well, we should just we, Whoa. forever. We should be doing this. You've got the magic mm -hmm. hand. <laughs> well, you did do it. He hath risen. <laughs> uh, quote, Mark was shy and ill at ease with people. An introverted pre-med student who wore the same dark suit and tie to classes that he wore as a missionary. He spent hours oh, alone God. in the library reading history books and old historical documents. Fun. Yeah. So he sounds like a catch. Yeah, for sure. Anyone who's showing up in the same smelly suit just going to the library <laughs> reading the same... Yeah, it's... Yeah. It's attractive. Yeah. <laughs> Seven months later, they were engaged. Now, Mark's parents were not down with it because Judy wanted to be a journalist. 
and they believe Mormon women should only marry and have kids. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's different. It's very different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Judy and Mark fought over their religion. Judy gave Mark back the engagement ring eight days before they were to be married, but they still dated for two years after that. Hmm. That's a weird downgrade. I bet there's a lot of people who wish they could pull that downgrade off. Yeah. You know? Where like, I've enjoyed the test drive. I don't know if I'm ready to purchase again. Can I take a couple more spins around the block? Can I get yeah. the fucking thing back? Uh, they finally broke up in August 1979. Okay. Judy, quote, we broke up because of differing views of the LDS religion. Mark professed to be an atheist. Oh, no. Wait, wait. Yeah, it is. Mark is, Mark is the... Yeah. Okay. Uh, Mark. He, he felt the LDS religion was a fairy tale, and he wanted all Mormons to know that they had been misled, that they were involved in a false church, and that there was no God. That'll be easy. And his, and, his, and his parents were like, she's not religious enough. Meanwhile, he's the one who's just like, come on, let's leave. Yeah. We gotta and go she, to Bristol. I met some cool guys. <laughs> awesome. My I wife star. and fuck his chest. Yeah, you gotta try it. Uh, so six weeks later, Mark met and married Doralee Oh, my Olds. good lord. Yeah, it didn't take long. Yeah, that's well, by this like, time he that's, I mean, he may as well, that's such a Mormon rebound, he may as well play for the Jazz. Yeah. <laughs> and Vivant. Vivant. But at this point, he was really good at holding hands. No, yeah. Really oh, yeah. Him. No. Well, this is the point, too, where you're not just holding hands, like you're maybe intertwining fingers and maybe yeah. give a little thumb rub or something like that. Really? Like maybe going to third base on the hand? Yeah. A little thumb rub action? Yeah. Finger the palm. You come Which in? is actually what the crucifixion was. Yeah. Too soon? No, I don't think so. Just starting to feel like an away game. In April 1980, Dorley came home one day and Mark was looking at an old Cambridge Bible. What? And inside he found a piece of paper stuck in the pages. Hmm. It was brittle. Stuck in the pages? Yeah. Some people love the faith. Yeah, yeah. Someone was jerking off to the Cambridge Bible. That's right. You said it. More like Cambridge. It was brittle, old, and folded in half. You open it up, and inside was the signature of Joseph Smith Jr., founder of Mormonism. What? What? This, wait a minute. This, is he Joseph Smithing Joseph Smith? Talk about putting the system on trial. The guy who found the golden plates? Well, I found a letter from that guy. Round two, the squeakle. <laughs> Mark took it to the curator of Utah State University's special collection of rare documents and books. And the curator compared the signature to other Joseph Smith Jr. signatures and said they were very similar. Okay. The letter had Egyptian hieroglyphics on the outside. Happening. I don't want to know. I don't want to know what the fuck happened to the religion that there would be Egyptian. I don't want to know. Don't ever tell me. 
And on the outside was a note from Joseph Smith Jr. explaining the symbols. The curator believed Mark may have just found the Anthon transcript. <laughs> Mic drop. It was the fabled first segment of the translated golden plates, which Joseph Smith Jr. would later turn into the Book of Mormon. Right, which okay. is a play. Right, yes. <laughs> Based on something, I believe. Up until this point, Mormons only had a description of what the symbols look like written by Charles Anthon. Hence the name, the Anthon. Uh-huh, okay. So this is a big find. It's a crazy find, I'll give you that. Yeah. <laughs> now, in Missouri, the reorganized church, which is a separate... Gee, I mean, you're so close to the same thing. You can't just well, they're meet different. in the middle. They were a church that split off. Uh, they were started by Joseph Smith III, claiming he owned the Anthon transcript, but it had symbols that didn't match the known description, while Marx fit the description to a T. So Marx is better sure. than what they got at the reorganized church in Missouri. Sure. Sure. <laughs> it all sounds very likely. The curator said he felt, quote, the same sort of satisfaction that Howard Carter had when he peered into King Tut's tomb and said, I see things, wonderful things. Like Haley Joel Osment? Yeah. Okay. But it had to be authenticated. It was taken to the church historical department's best known expert on handwriting and old documents, Dean Jesse. Who looked that at sounds it. pretty cool. Yeah. And Jesse said that it appeared real, but he needed more time to be positive. And he told Mark to keep it a secret until it was authenticated. Don't okay. tell anybody. Okay. It's that big of a fucking deal. Mark immediately told his mother and father. Sure. <laughs> sure. Of course. Got to gossip. This is yeah. huge. No, it's a big deal. You can't keep that quiet. I found a thing that's not real. Soon. Huh? <laughs> There's something at the end there. Soon, Jesse declared the documents as legitimate and told a reporter, quote, it is impossible to conclude that anyone other than Joseph Smith wrote this. That's not 100%, though. It is 100. <laughs> no, it's, it's been fucking authenticated. Wait, read what you said again, because there's some wiggle room. <laughs> it's definitely being safe. It is impossible to conclude that anyone other than Joseph Smith wrote this. Yeah, it's well, not airtight. <laughs> Mark immediately became an overnight Mormon celebrity. Oh boy. That's, is... how, that's how you become a Mormon celebrity. Yeah, yeah seriously. <laughs> Mark and his father went to Chicago to track the line of ownership of the Anthon transcript. And they traced it to one of Joseph Smith Jr.'s sister's granddaughters, who confirmed her mother probably sold it by accident. Well, you know, you're selling old stuff, you have a garage sale, you just, you put everything on the to-go pile, and then, whoopsie, you sold the translator of the religion. It happens, you've heard it a thousand times. Uh, with this, Mark had officially found the illegitimate Anthon transcript. The so legitimate? Yeah, they're like, that's it, that's the real deal. Right. He, he traced it back, and then the main guy's like, yeah, it's real. Okay, and now... Now what? Now well, so he was given $5 Mormon gold coins minted in 1850, a first edition Book of Mormon, and other early Mormon money, all worth about $20,000. Okay. <laughs> I guess Mormons don't actually give you money, they give you other shit back when yeah. you like stuff. Oh, cool! A bunch of old shit for my old shit. Thank you guys. This has been worth it. It's like a fucking swap meet. Yeah. <laughs> 
Mark dropped, then dropped out of school to be an old book dealer full time. Well, I an mean, old document dealer. Oh, well, either way, I mean, yeah. still, that's a lot of people do that. It didn't take long. On February 16, 1981, Mark found a photocopy of a faded 1844 letter with Joseph Smith Jr.'s signature. He gave it to the chief Mormon archivist in Salt Lake City who purchased rare documents on behalf of the Mormon Church. The letter was a blessing from Joseph Smith Jr. What do you believe? You sound very convinced. I think it's, I think it's fucking amazing. Is what okay. I believe. And it designated his son, Joseph Smith III, as his true successor. Wait, but that is that the one who's That's in the other Missouri? One. That's the split. That's the bad boy. That's the RLDS. Right. Yeah. The Reclama wow. what are reclamations out there. What are they called? Reorganized. Reorganized. What a great name. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations on that. Uh, so, what if we're the reorganized one? Yeah, I mean, they basically didn't. They were basically no polygamy, and then these but, guys. And it really all comes polygamy. down to polygamy, right? That yeah. line in the sand is like, how can you have a lot of wives? <laughs> right? That's like I want to like, fuck a lot. No, no, no. You just fuck the one. No, no. no I'm fucking stop a lot. You're I'm only leaving. fucking the one. Do I'm not going leave. to another place. You, well, then the Lord will be so pissed off at you. Oh, well, I'll be getting a lot of fucking pussy. Well, that's not the idea. You're supposed to just get one pussy, you asshole. I can't believe everything, el everything else we agree on. This is crazy. This is absolutely crazy. Because you can only get one. Oh, here we go. The truth comes out, doesn't it? Finally, you've revealed yourself. I'll have you know I'd have wives lining up to be married to me. Oh, you think that's funny, huh? Well, good luck. My guess is you tap out about two to three wives. Tops! Tops! You'll come crawling back when you can only get one or two wives. You will, you'll come crawling back, and I'll have the one wife I'm that I've gotten very consistent with. Fucking double digits. Du oh, I'm uh, going DD. Oh, okay. You're gonna be a ten wifer. I'm set up a fucking camp out in the desert. Police. Be a fuck camp. Oh, uh, you should join the Church of Police, not polygamy, because this is a real police moment. <laughs> my lord, my lord above, he is great. <laughs> He's great, and he wants us to fuck all the women we can. No, he's been he so... He told me on Oh, my God. He gave me a plate. Like... <laughs> it said, fuck a bunch of them. Yeah, I saw that plate. That was your handwriting, and that was barely a plate. It was a dinner plate with foil on it. You didn't even do your homework. If you're going to do something like that, be convincing. Talk about mailing it in. It was an Elvis plate. It said it, though, didn't it? It barely said it. Yeah. We found the extra foil pieces in your pocket. You're just trying to bang a lot of wives. And guess what? It worked. <laughs> so many of them fell for that shit. Oh my god. I'm out of cum. Anyway, I'm going to Utah. Yeah, you go to Missouri. You stay in Missouri. I go to Utah. Oh, right. You're right. Stay here and right, because we were here before. That's what I was saying. Well, it's where it all began. It's where it all began, asshole. <laughs> so, in the 1840s, I'll break this up for you. The Mormon Church split into two groups: the LDS with Brigham Young and the RLDS who opposed polygamy. The RLDS believed Brigham Young had destroyed all the evidence of Joseph Smith Jr. ordaining his son as the man. 
This made Mark's new document the only proof in existence. Okay. It was called the blessing. Sure. I'm not going to do that. The chief Mormon archivist balked at the price. He was like, I'm not fucking paying that much money. But then he discussed it with an elder. Quote, it was decided that the church should attempt to obtain the document. President Tanner's words were, we need it. How much did he, how much? Or something to that effect. Wait, how much did they want for the document? I don't know how much they wanted. No. I didn't get that. So the Mormon, uh, the chief Mormon archivist went back to Mark and told him the church, I made a mistake, but we want it. Okay. We want this awesome blessing. Yeah. Uh, uh, Mark said he had already met with the RLDS historian. Uh, so he's got offers out to other religions. Yeah. <laughs> and the Jews. Uh, um, the Jews are very interested. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. yeah. And the Scientologists. Yeah, they, they want everything. They're giving us Tom Cruise. Yeah. Uh, they're going to. And then they insist we take Travolta. Yeah. Well, you know, we can just throw him in a pile. I'm fine with it. <laughs> Uh, so the R RLDS offer was to trade it for the book, their Book of Commandments, with, which was with 40K. Uh-huh. LDS elders discussed and decided it was, quote, vital they make a counteroffer. Okay. So the chief Mormon archivist and another higher met with Mark. Feels like free agency. Yeah, it's yeah. fucking crazy. They met with Mark one hour before his meeting with the RLDS. Okay. They told Mark that, quote, he owed it to his church to save it from the embarrassment it would cause. Oh, right. So they're, they're, yeah, they're really putting him in the vice. Going to his Mormonism, which he doesn't believe in at all. Right, so he's like, yeah, that's very true. So Mark, Where's Mark, the money? Mark says, okay, I won't sell it to R RLDS. Okay. Uh, Did he announce it on ESPN? <laughs> in front of a bunch of children? Uh, and then he went straight to the RLDS historian and told him how much LDS Church wanted for the blessing. So he's fucking playing, working. Yeah, he's working playing the game. But then he agreed. Uh, he, the RLDS guy said, look, I need time, time to authenticate it. And then uh, he gave him a photocopy a copy of it. And Mark immediately told LDS they could have it. They're like, it's yours. Okay, um, that's weird. Right? And for that, he got a first edition Book of Mormon. Maybe eight, start off with the good stuff. An, an 1860 Mormon gold coin, uh -huh. a pattern used in the minting of the coin, and four pieces of rare Mormon currency. Altogether worth 20000 And he does but not... But not really worth anything, because it's all fake shit you're giving each other. It's literally like Dungeons and Dragons shit. The value is not real. Because none of it is real. It's just like our money, dude. It's just paper. <laughs> if we all stopped using it, man, think about it. We all have tree houses, man. Religions are such a scam. Pretty amazing. I mean, just the fuck. Just go look at the Vatican and be like, holy fuck. Yeah. I've just been fucking screwing people for years. Well, let's use some other terms. <laughs> The RLDS historian found about it the sale from a reporter, and he called the LDS and asked for a certified copy to make it public. Now, the LDS at this point knows that other people know, so they can't keep it a secret. Right. So they offered it to the RLDS historian as a gift. Okay. And the next day, the New York Times printed a story about the blessing. Sure. The New York Times Good. already has a story. Right, okay. 
Headline, Mormon document raises doubts on succession of church's leaders. Hmm. It's full of quotes from unidentified sources. Uh-huh, right. <laughs> mm-hmm. The LDS then held a conference in Utah to bring the blessing to the public. So great. So great. Huge. Huge. Uh, they were Mormons from over, from over 70 countries. Wow. Yeah, they really fanned out. It's the whole mission thing. I definitely uh, picture the Bristol guys in the back. Yeah. It explained that Joseph Smith wanted church secession to pass uh, through the Council of Twelve Apostles, not bloodlines. We all agree with that. Yeah, obviously. What was not said was that Mark had just come back to the LDS with a short letter addressed to Brigham Young that would blow the church wide open. Wait, what? So they're giving this big thing about. But he's, he's happening, got. And he's got another thing that's. He's got to bring him Young got a original. New fucking bomb. Wow. Okay. It's a lot of bombs. In this letter, the writer condemned Brigham Young for taking Joseph Smith III's title, blessing. Quote, I will not surrender that blessing, knowing what its certain fate will be if I return. P.S. I would write more, but my hand smarts. Can we talk privately? What? 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 Who's unable to take a break? This is not like a tweet. You don't need, oh, my fucking hand is I, just killing me. I have to Stop writing the letter is over! <laughs> what a crazy ending to a letter. Can we talk privately? My hand hurts. My hand is smarting. Oh. Uh, what did you want to talk about? <coughs> Do you have a hand, guy? It kills. So the LDS bought, bought the, this new letter from Mark. Uh, he promised not to tell anyone. Uh-huh, sure, yeah. I have, maybe a, an, an anonymous source might pop up, I guess. Uh, the letter was put in the First Presidency's vault. <laughs> Which... That's like a, I'm that's, sure it's in That's double. where Nicolas Cage is going yes. for the next installment of National <laughs> Treasure, obviously. Headed <laughs> right there. It's in the vault. Uh, so Mark all of a sudden started finding documents everywhere. Well, well, well. well he's just getting nothing, really good at no, finding. No, there's nothing weird about that at all. No, it's just, yeah, no, it's the season. Just the season. Some guys have a knack. Yeah, some know for sure. Yeah, it's him and Nicolas Cage. It really is. It's down to those two. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, so... <laughs> I can't believe that there would be any bullshit involved. I know. He found a letter from uh, one of Joseph Smith's first converts, and then collector Brent Ashworth traded $27,000 worth of documents signed by George Washington Abraham Lincoln and Robert E. Lee for the letter. (laughs) Mark made made another amazing find. Ashworth was beside himself. I found God! He's right here! He looks like that guy who plays music down the street for money, but he's right here! This one was signed by Lucy Mack Smith, Joseph Smith's Jr.'s mother, and quote, described graphically the coming forth of the not yet published Book of Mormon. So it's like a pre-Mormon. Yeah, no. It's a pre-Book of Mormon. Yeah, it's a prequel. It's a press release. Sure, right. It's a teaser. Yeah, Yeah, it's a little teaser. So Mark traded Ashworth for it. It's the poster coming soon. (laughs) Book of Mormon. Whoa. November, we gotta see that. Yeah. Read that. You don't read it. Right. They don't, they don't, we don't see things. We don't see things? We don't things? use that term at this time. It's 1800s. 
We can we can see yes, things. We can see. Well, you just said we couldn't. No, I didn't. You did. You did. You just said we couldn't okay. see things. No, you're right. Let's see it. We'll see it. I think we should see that when it comes out. Okay. Yeah, we're gonna do that. Yeah. Bless you, my son. So Ashworth buys this one also. He brings both documents to the church. The church then has a second conference to address the new finds. Sure. And is anybody flagging this? Nope. Is anybody it's going, all good. This it's all fucking amazing. Particularly crazy. Now, Ashworth is now a celebrity, like Mark, because he brought the documents. Uh-huh. Uh, Mark makes sure everyone, however, knows that he found them. Sure, of course. He compared himself to Indiana Jones. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, we all were in our head, but that's not, you don't say that out loud. Belongs in a museum. Mark, what's the dog's name? And soon Mark has direct access to members of the First Presidency, which is a huge Mormon deal. <laughs> I mean, he's got to be like, this is crazy. <laughs> this is wild. And then Mark found another letter. No, no, no David, yes. stop when it rains and pours. Oh, <laughs> Lord! Which he took directly to LDS President Gordon Hinckley, who offered him $15,000. Well, I don't know. I mean, I guess I could take fifteen grand. Sure. When reporters asked how, much, how, how Mark kept finding all these rare documents, he was vague. He said it was hard work, and there was a network of dealers and tipsters and blah blah blah. Sure. Hard yeah. work. Right, right. In right. I'm Mark the Indiana Jones of bullshit. <laughs> In 1983, Mark found another letter from Joseph Smith Jr. This one... <laughs> Yeah, What's they're this fucking one? all over the place. Does he have a detector? <laughs> <laughs> More letters! This one sent LDS into a panic because it implied Joseph Smith Jr. practiced black magic. <laughs> well. Which was a huge fucking no-no. This is what's the, this is this is this is what happens. It's just a different version of the culture, but it's like you've got to keep outdoing yourself. So you've dropped enough bombs now, now you've got to be like, also, he was an evil fucking wizard. <laughs> what? I know, I'm as baffled as you guys. I had to go to a lot of tipsters and tradesters to find this one, but it turns out, this guy was crazy. He had a spider tattoo on his face! Yeah. <laughs> that, uh, you know, so that's a big deal. Yeah. Hinckley uh, wanted it authenticated without anyone untrustworthy finding out, so Mark knew the perfect guy in New York. Yes. Trust the trust Mark with it. You don't want it to go to anyone untrustworthy, right. so trust Mark with this. He went to Charles Hamilton, one of the, New York's most prominent autograph dealers, and was considered the nation's preeminent detector of forged documents. F FBI agents used his book to understand comment. Now, but wait, Mark takes it there? Yeah. This, he's got huge balls. What do you mean? I mean, that I believe it. Hamilton declared it authentic what? and worth $10,000. Quote, but the church will probably pay 25000 just so they could burn it. And there it is. Mark sold it to Hinckley for $15,000. And then he leaked the info about the letter to the press and other document collectors, including Ashworth. Now, Ashworth, did, he was a huge Mormon, so he did not actually want to know about the black magic letter, but Mark told him anyways. Uh, so no, 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 blah, 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 Oh, what? It's fuck, man. My life. This whole thing relies on me not knowing the oh. truth. <laughs> So, 
it shakes his faith to the core. Sure. So he needs his faith restored. So what do you do? You need your faith restored. You're a Mormon guy. Well, you'd probably need to find a letter. So <laughs> he went to the church and looked at one of the most valued Mormon letters that were there. Joseph Smith's final letter to his wife written in the Carthage jail. Mm -hmm. And he's like, this is beautiful. Mm -hmm. His faith is restored. Comes back. He tells Mark about what happened. Says, this is such a joyous day. And Mark says, you know what? I know about a second Carthage jail letter. No, oh, wait, no. This is getting crazy, the gumption. And there's a second one. What? He takes it all back. He's just retracting everything. Oh, 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 I'm lightheaded, Mark. So Ashworth is like, I gotta have that letter. And Mark says, look, I'll find it, but I'm gonna need, I'm gonna, it's gonna cost me. You're gonna 30, need to front load the operation. Yeah, of course. <laughs> this shit's getting harder. It's not gonna easier. So a few weeks later, Mark comes back, but he's got a different letter. He doesn't have the card the jail letter. So okay. The letter revealed Joseph Smith used uh, black magic but also revised the story of Joseph Smith Jr. discovering the plates. What? This is really kidding. I mean, I'm not Mormon and I'm starting to be offended. <laughs> I mean, look, we're poking fun. This guy is fundamentally shifting the storyline of this shit. Yeah, he's literally just blowing it all up. Yeah. You know, we think that Joseph Smith had a twin, Joey. <laughs> he was an evil Joseph Smith. No. Yes, and they had a lightning war. What the fuck? Look, it's right here on this bull bull letter. Not bullshit, letter. It's right here on this letter. Whoa, a lightning fight. And that's when he beat Joey, who now lives in the center of Earth, which we now know to be God's prison. Whoa. Take my money. So... So he's got this new letter. The Mormon Church. Now the Mormon Church believes that the angel, what I don't know, Gabriel, Maroni, or whatever. Maroni. Maroni. They believe that he is who showed Joseph the place. Right. Right. Yeah. But he was like the, he letter, was the bloodhound from the sky. That's right. This way, boy. This way, boss. Dig here. Me, dig here. Dig what, here. What is it, boy? There's something down there in the soil. It's a new religion. What are you talking about? Come on, let's turn it. Moroni bad! Alright, I'll dig a little bit. Holy God, what the shit? Someone left some dinnerware down here. No, no, no. This one says, fuck a bunch of ladies. That's not actually in there. No, no, no. That no, is... No, even Moroni is just told me, whom you can't see, is an apparition. Hands this away. one says we should all wear chaps. Hands up, stand up. That is not... These are the later plates. This is it's not a good phase. This one says, just ball gag. I, do you definitely have... Look, leave... Give me a little space, please, Moroni and I in our mission. This is a separate hole. At, no, don't read what that one says. Nobody, Anal beads. All right, this is... I don't know why it's a... Yeah, well, it's a question mark, which is equally puzzling. Uh, could have done without the check yes, no box, too. Okay, so the new letter 
says that it wasn't an angel that showed up in plates. No, no, no. It was, it was a garbage man. A quote, white salamander. <laughs> Is this just a Mad Lib? A white salamander. I don't even know their natural color, but that nobody probably does. Look, that's still wild. He shows. Actually, the... of course it's gonna be white. Yeah, that's right. That's true. He shows the letter to Ashworth, who read it and said, "Mark, I don't want this. You can't let anybody except the church have it." No, this collector... is a picture of his penis. No collector should have to explain something like this. Bastard. My now, heart, Mark. Now, Mark knows this is a super explosive letter. So sure, yeah. He thinks anyone who goes to the first presidency's office with the letter is going to be considered an extortionist. Right, yeah. So, so he doesn't want to go. Of course not. No, he shouldn't go. So he finds a middleman. He should send Moroni. <laughs> Moroni will do it. He finds a middleman who brings it to Hinckley and asks for a $10 Mormon gold coin. Which is worth $100,000. Oh, my I don't, God. I don't know! I mean, you know what you gotta do? You gotta take, you gotta take one of those coins to a Thomas Cook or something. Just be like, how much American? Uh, American or Mormon? Either. American, it's worth about 15 bucks. Okay, Mormon? $100,000. Good to know. Oh, it bet. That should be. Uh, Hinckley says no. So the middleman's like, what about the 40,000 Book of Commandments? And Hinckley's like, no. So Mark knew this that was... This guy's quite Mark, a little negotiator. Mark knew that was going to happen. Give me That's a gold coin. Give me a 10 cent piece. No? All right, just give me some original scripture. Come on, guy. Come on, I'm the middleman. Right. Now, Mark knew this was going to happen, but he just wanted to see how the church would react to the letter. Right. Uh, the church is now worried that the middleman will tell the public about the salamander letter. And if the public finds out about the salamander, oh. it's game over! Yeah, for sure. So Mark suggested a wealthy church member buy it and then donate it to the church. And then everyone will be... What? Apparently that's a solution. I don't under-fucking-stand. Okay. So it's the church can then deny that they bought the salamander letter because it was given to them. Oh, well, that's, okay. I mean, uh, it's still earth-shattering news. Yeah. Uh, Mark knew a rich Mormon bishop and history buff named Stephen Christensen. He ran a financial consulting firm called Coordinated Financial Services with a guy named Gary Sheets. Christensen was described as, quote, just about as perfect as a Mormon you could get in this world. Okay. So he bought the Salamander letter for $40,000 and made, made Mark promise not to tell anyone. Pinky swear, Mark. And he agreed, uh, but then Mark went and told the Mormon underground, quote, who were... The Mormon underground? (laughs) Whoa, whoa, whoa. Buddy, 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 buddy. You ain't dropping that and walking away. What? That's right. We wear regular underwear. (laughs) The Mormon underground. They have that song, The Humpty Dance. So they were the most hostile to the church about the letter. I I forgot to look up what the Mormon Underground was. Well, Dave, believe me, I'm having fun anyway. I hope it's... (laughs) 
<laughs> I almost don't want you to ruin it. I assume it's a band. Here's what I'm picturing. You yeah. remember Dennis Leary and Demolition Man? No. Well, that's what I'm picturing. <laughs> the underground people. <laughs> they live in sewers and eat rat burgers. Is that true? Well, I mean, Demolition Man's not a documentary, but that is what's in the movie. Well, according to Utah, it could be. Sure. Are you looking up the Mormon underground? Yeah, but all the camp up was undergarment. <laughs> I'll have a look still. The Mormon underground fights back. Uh, so I guess it was uh, some Mormons who the, fir the first government persecuted them, and then they went underground. <laughs> okay. We're moving, said Roy Potter. All right, I've seen enough. Okay. I'll just picture worm people. Yep. Uh, uh, so, uh, luckily, after all this, Mark finds the second Carthage jail letter. Finally, what, what was, what's in it? Well, uh, he was supposed to bring it to Ash, Ashworth, remember? Yeah. But he didn't. Well, yeah, he's fragile. Instead, he sold it to a magazine. Oh, better. <laughs> what magazine? Tiger Beat? <laughs> who's, who's taking Playboy. that Playboy. Playboy? Really? No. Oh. <laughs> I could see that. I could actually see. And with that that penthouse see. would be more. Yeah, or yeah. hustler, honestly. <laughs> That's psychopath. Uh, so Ashworth found out about it when he read it, and he was now furious. But he still wanted to work with Mark because Mark was getting all this stuff, and he was getting the Lord's work done. Yes. So the press, through again unidentified sources, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. traced the Salamander letter to Christensen. Okay. So the church now had to make a statement while avoiding admitting the letter existed. The church had to make a statement while avoiding admitting that the letter exists, okay? They're and in a bit of a bind. A bit of a bind. Quote, all of the scores of media stories on that subject apparently assume that the author of that letter used the word salamander in the modern sense of a tailed amphibian. Ah. No, 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 no. It was Arthur Salamander. Man. Mormon man. One wonders why so many writers neglected to reveal to their readers that there is another meaning of the word salamander. Yes, duh. Quit being so literal. Which may, even be, may have even been the primary meaning in this context in the 1820s. That meaning is a mythical being thought to be able to live in fire. So are they trying to steer us back to Moroni? Or they're just like, we've got a different fire critter. A third angel. A being that is able to live in fire is a good approximation of the description Joseph Smith gave of Angel Morona. Okay, so we are back. Yes. Not, that was actually pretty good. It's I'm not, not going to lie. It's not good. I think for the position there. Nobody in, thinks salamanders are made of fire things. No, but if you it's just, a fucking salamander. If you just keep moving. If you just keep, you know, if you're just like, no, but sal when people think salamander, they think outdoors. When they think outdoors, they think sunny day. When they think sunny day, they think dry leaves. When they think dry leaves, sunny day, they think fire. When I think fire, I think maybe someone who can penetrate fire. Maybe someone not of this earth, not of this realm, from another realm entirely. Perhaps an angel brings us right back. Boom, Moroni. <laughs> Okay. Your head's just spinning so much, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Just, that, that's how Homeland like would that. do it. Homeland would do it like that. 
the Salt Lake Messenger published an article with the headline, Moroni or Salamander? You decide. <laughs> that sort of feels like the upcoming election. <laughs> If the letter is authentic, it is one of the greatest evidences against the divine origin of the Book of Mormon. But if it's real. If an investigation is begun into the letter, the guy who proved the Hitler diaries were fakes was brought in. He confirmed the authenticity of the salamander letter. Wow, what? How is this? This is quite a forgery. So now they needed to confirm the ink. Right. Obviously. So Mark went to New York and uh, is, at this sorry, time, Mark is going to confirm the ink? No, no. Okay. Mark Mark is off Mark's just got a bunch of money now and he goes off to New York and he Weird. buys he, he's into books, so he buys first editions of books from Lewis Carroll, uh, Tolkien. Wait a minute, those Hans are Hans Christian Anderson, he's just spending money. He's just uh-huh. spending money like crazy. Right. Friends and family, uh, now at the same time start throwing money at Mark. They want to invest in his Historical document business. Sure, of course. And Mark promised them all a 60% return. Sure, right. Quote, Mark was seldom on time for appointments and sometimes arranged for investors to meet him late at night. (laughs) And then disappeared into the darkness. He can do whatever he wants. Like, literally, he doesn't even have to show up for anything. That's the best kind of guy you want to be in business with. He's like, meet me by the bushes in the park. Batman? He's like, I'm gone! There's just a bunch of letters. <laughs> Whoa. His check bounced. Uh, he, he suspected the IRS was tapping his phone. He let days pass, pass before returning a phone call. Uh, he started to dress very sloppily. When investors dropped in unexpectedly at his home, Dory sometimes said he was gone, even though they could see his car in the driveway. And his feet. Mark, I'm not here. Identity, I'm not here anymore. I'm an apparition. So Mark got investors also through parties where he would brag about his historical knowledge and his ability to get documents. His parents were now absolutely certain that he was destined for the highest rungs of the church. Poor parents. Oh, Mark, we raised such a good boy. So he's rolling in cash. All these people are giving him money. Yes. Uh, He looks for housing in the coveted Mormon neighborhood of Wasatch Hills. Sure. No? Wasatch? 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 Wasatch. That's what I said. Don't get mad at me. I didn't do it. He bought a first edition book of Sherlock Holmes for 22000 It doesn't seem in line with the religion. Uh, 7000 for a second edition of Alice, Alice's Adventures of Wonderland. $10,000 for a first edition of uh, Pinocchio and more. He's just buying, he loves books. Well, I bet he loves Pinocchio. <laughs> After a while, the Salamander Letters Inc. was authenticated. Christensen's business now, the guy who bought the letter and gave, uh-huh. it, gave it the truth, it, it's collapsing. And his faith is shaken by the letter. Sure. Yet he still refused to sell the letter to the church. He would only donate it. Okay. And then Mark no. found the rarest document. I found a living Joseph Smith. <laughs> this one had nothing to do with Mormonism. Okay. It was called The Oath of a Freeman, the first doc- document printed in the American colonies in 1639. Okay. 50 copies were made, none survived. <coughs> but Mark found one. Wow. It was valued at $2 million. 
The Library of Congress began the process of authentication. Oh my God. Does Mark have a white salamander? <laughs> Mark then convinced an investor, Al Russ, to lend him $150,000 so he could buy the McClellan Collection, which is a bunch of documents. Sure. Um, Mormon documents. Oh, so okay. Mark and Russ's son went to Texas to buy it, but Mark went in the house alone, and then he came out empty-handed, and he said the seller was freaked out, and he mailed it to Salt Lake City <laughs> instead. Okay. Mark told uh, Al Russ he'd bring the collection in two days, but he showed up a week later oh, and no. told Rust he had sold the collection to the church for 300000 Mark urged Rust to keep it a secret for the sake of the church and promised he would pay him back soon. But payment never came. So Rust starts looking for Mark, Mark and he's looking for weeks. <laughs> and when he finally he found him... He needs Mark. Mark can find him. <laughs> when he finally found him, he demanded his money and berated Mark for two hours. After Rust got home, he said to his wife, quote, it was the most peculiar experience. I've never been so harsh on anybody in my life and I got no reaction at all. He didn't deny it, he didn't get mad, apologize, or anything. He just sat there like it didn't mean anything. Well, that's normal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I know, I know. <laughs> Sucks, I know. All right, I'm gonna go into the darkness. <laughs> and, uh, move on. The Library of Congress wanted to buy the oath of a Freeman, but needed more time to authenticate it. Now, Mark uh, dropped his price to $1.5 million. Oh, that's nice of him. The library tried to haggle, so he took it to the American Antiquarian Society, which also wanted to authenticate it. Uh, so he's not selling documents as fast as he thought, and he starts to go into a panic. So he goes to Hinckley, and he says he's in a really bad financial situation. How is he in a bad... That's he's crazy. spending all this I mean, money on books. I mean, he's just the amount of... But it's insane. And buying a house. That's crazy. <laughs> oh, no, he hasn't bought a house yet. So he tries to borrow $185,000 from the church. Yeah. Earn. <laughs> the church members now became suspicious. Hmm. So Mark... Finally. How was <laughs> that? That's what made... It's weird that he needs money, isn't it? <laughs> This is also normal till now. Yeah, everything up until now has been amazing. This <laughs> is off. So he goes to Christensen's and asks for a loan, saying he'd pay him back once the oath sold. Mm -hmm. But Christensen's like, I don't have any fucking money. My business is failing. So he takes Mark to Elder Hugh Pinnock. Quote, it was as though he sensed completely the potential damage which this material could cause in the hands of the enemy. Within minutes, he was able to arrange for Mark to receive $185,000 in the form of a cashier's check. Wow. He was a director at First Interstate Bank. He got them to just crank out a loan really fast. Can I get one of those big checks? Those seem so funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, soon after, Mark put in an offer for a $550,000 house. Okay, so... <laughs> I mean, Christian Confusing is, moves. Yes. Yeah. Christensen and Sheets' business is filing for bankruptcy. Uh, so it's all falling apart. The purchase of the Oath of Freeman gets pushed back again. Okay. And Mark's investors are now de demanding repayment. Okay. Mark agreed to only take a million on the 1.5 million sale. And Ashworth is still mad at Mark for selling the letter to the magazine. This feels like uncut gems of Mormonism. <laughs> So Ashworth has been talking shit about Mark everywhere, and okay. that's super bad for your rep in the document business. Sure. Document business. Right. Uh, so Mark goes to Ashworth, and he says, I'll buy back the letter I sold you for $20,000. Uh, wait. 
He's still Mark, so Mark, Mark buys back the letter he had sold that he had sold Ashworth for twenty thousand, uh -huh. uh -huh. but he bought it for one hundred sixteen thousand, and then Ashworth bought it back for nineteen thousand, and another forty-one thousand worth of documents. So Mark lost fifty thousand dollars. He's just buying Ashcroft silence, Ashworth silence. Why can't I he don't know find more stuff? <laughs> Okay. Did he find God? No, oh. not yet. So Ashworth is not talking shit anymore. And then the American Antiquarian Society pushed for the sale, pushed the sale date back even further, and said they would only pay two hundred fifty thousand dollars for it. Wow. Okay. Jesus. So Mark owes altogether nine hundred and forty-five thousand dollars between the IRS, his new house, what Rust, the house is crazy. Different deals, loans, bounce checks, and more. Right. Okay. Luckily, he said he found. Ah, ah, finally. A second oath of Freeman. Oh my God, yes. Yeah. He told investors he needed $500,000 to buy it and he could sell it for $1.5 million. Three men stepped up. But then they heard from a bank employee that they should watch out for Mark because he was overdue on the $185,000 loan. Hmm. So the investors went back to Mark and said, We want our money back. We want out. Oh, shit. He told them he'd have their money at the end of the day. Uh -huh. Bernie he... Madoff's got it. <laughs> what he didn't tell them is that he'd already used it to pay back other debts. Oh, wow. He is. So he went and empties his, he empties his bank account, uh -huh. which has 18000 which is not enough. Yeah, what? That's a lot less than $500,000. Uh -huh. uh, he panics. He starts taking all of his books and going all around town and trying to sell them, but no one would buy them on the spot. Oh my God, he's got to be so desperate too. It's got to be like he's selling drugs. I mean, if he's selling Tolkien, really. Yeah, you need a hit of tea, Tolkien, huh? You want, you want a little juror, Tolkien, huh? One of the three investors Mark had given the insurance money to had gotten uh, his money from an accident in which he lost his hand and part of his arm. You talk about your hand smarting. So he ends up tracking down Mark and just starts yelling at him. Okay. Mark, quote, responded with a blank expression. A blend of detachment and smug, it must be indifference, indifference, a look of indifference. So the investor leaps across the table and, quote, Hoffman felt the fist of Vincent's one good arm smash into his face. <laughs> ah! It's even stronger, dickhole. So with two arms. <laughs> so Christian and Pinnock looked for Mark for two weeks after finding out he's selling books. And Pinnock was mad about the unpaid loan, and they found him. And Mark told him a little bit of what was going on, uh -huh. pieces of his financial situation. Okay. So Christian says gives him a date for Mark to transfer the McClellan collection to the church, which he has purchased. Okay. October 15th. So Mark starts to panic. He then tells Hinckley that he had found a missing Joseph Smith translation of a fake golden plate. Wait, wait, is that, he's got nothing left. Yeah. He's out of ideas. It's a B-side. It's a... <laughs> it's a cool, it's like a live. Okay. So this would be massively embarrassing for the church. Sure. And they bought it for 150000 Oh my God. Just stop. So, please. <laughs> Uncle. Stop it. 
The church hid it in the first presidency's vault. That this didn't vault? Help. We're going to need a bigger vault. This is, we got a lot of skeletons in this vault. Vault is shady as keep, shit right now. Keep this closed, the whole church blows up. Oh my God. So Mark starts getting death threats from investors. He, starts, he makes out a will. Now October 15th comes, and a woman who worked for Christensen, who worked in his building, saw a package near his door when she came to work. Later, the woman saw Christensen walk in, and she recalled, quote, heard a loud bang in the hall. She thought, thought something had happened to the room itself, but she didn't know what. She didn't see the nails that exploded through the door and lodged in her walls. What? She didn't what? see the nail that shot past her leg, grazing the skin and drawing blood. All she registered was the tremendous force of the explosion. The package was a bomb. Really? <laughs> Prove it. I... <laughs> It sent a nail through Christensen's left eye and into his brain, killing him immediately. Holy shit. Two hours later, another bomb went off at the Sheets' home. Kathy, the wife of Gary Sheets, was the only victim. The following day, Mark was found next to his blown-up car. He was alive, but his hand was mangled. Quote, as if it had been inserted into a butcher's chopping machine. As if. As if. <laughs> what, wait, how, you want a pound of your hand? Yeah, hurry. <laughs> Four seventy-nine a pound. Great, love it. Yep. His kneecap was blown off. That's, that sounds. I mean, how, you're, uh, okay, very specific. So, all right. An eardrum ruptured, a shrapnel wounds all over his body. Jesus. Now Salt Lake City freaks out. Document because these are document guys. So document dealers start just fleeing the city, right. terrified. Not known for their bravery. <laughs> The bomb squad got so many calls about suspicious packages that several bomb-sniffing dogs succumbed to exhaustion. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> we keep finding them, boss. <laughs> okay. A package delivery man was chased and beaten after he delivered a package wrapped in brown paper on a porch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, it's pajamas. Tell them we're sorry. We I mean, uh, life, life for a delivery man is tough if you can't deliver a brown package. Uh, you no. should go on next door and read all about it. Mark told the detective he opened his car door and a package fell to the floor and exploded. Mm, they door packaged him. They. But an ATF, ATF agent heard that and said that made no sense. The bomb uh, was on the seat. Yeah. It seems like uh, Mark was on the seat. Uh-huh. The agent said, quote, if Hoffman told you that, he might be your man. Okay. Though most thought the bomber was a disgruntled investor from Sheet and Christensen's business. But someone saw Mark in a Letterman jacket enter Christensen's office the day of the explosion. Mm-hmm. So the police searched his house. They found the Letterman jacket. But everyone in town had the same jacket. <laughs> well, this isn't a clue. <laughs> Aha! Ice from Utah! All right. Well, it doesn't help anything. The detective told Mark he knew he was a murderer, but no one believed it could be Mark. Detectives tried to press charges, but a federal prosecutor said, you've got the wrong man. No one could come up with a motive. It didn't make sense. George. Seems real obvious in retrospect. (laughs) George Throckmorton, a Utah attorney general document expert, had heard of the case. He was very amused because, quote, there was no such thing as proof of a document's authenticity. <laughs> the church was like, what? 
we just put a new vault in. Well, no, that's our whole thing. Uh, I mean, we traded them. That's our business. Uh, we need to make a series of phone calls. <laughs> uh, so, for instance, you can prove a certain ink and paper were used, but you couldn't tell if someone had just found old ink and old paper. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Throckmorton got a copy of the Salamander letter sure. from the church, right. and he got the green light to investigate it with William Flynn, who was an Arizona document examiner. Uh, Throckmorton was a Mormon, so he picked, Finn, he picked uh, Flynn because he was a, quote, Catholic who doesn't even go to church. Okay. Going to hell. Right, yes, for sure. Throckmorton learned Mark used surrogates to donate documents, and the bomb parts could be easily bought at Radio Shack. They, so then they connected an alias that Mark had written on an envelope at his house to a Radio Shack receipt with bomb parts. Same name. Okay, this is not looking great. The police also found a section of galvanized pipe in the trunk of Mark's car, uh, much like the ones used with the pipe bombs. Okie dokie. Uh, Throckmorton and Flynn found a chemical was used to artificially age the documents, and they discovered Mark was a master forger and therefore had a motive for murder. Yes. Mark's forgeries quickly unraveled. Old Bibles, 19th century contracts, uh, books of Mormon, Mormon letters, hymn books, blessings, immigrant guides, a Betsy Ross letter, a signed photo of Al Capone, the Anton transcript, a letter from Wait. Joseph's mother, black Too magic mod. letters, Keep shooting, baby. letters, Yotha Freeman, over 600 documents. <laughs> An autograph from Al Capone. <laughs> you say, I did it, and then sign your name out? Yeah, for sure. I mean, this isn't real either. This is all in your head, Mark. There you go, baby. Thank you, Al. Wow. Damning. Yeah. And millions of dollars worth of fortune. <laughs> it turns out Mark had spent years prepping for each forgery he made. So this is why he couldn't do them fast. Okay. So when examining uh, Martin Harris's handwriting on the Salamander letter, they compared it to other Martin Harris documents. What they didn't know was that those other Harris documents were given to the church by Mark years before. <laughs> Groundwork. That's foundation. It's investing. <laughs> so he'd literally been setting it up for years. It's the best. It is, sure. They were authenticating forgeries by comparing them to Mark's forgeries. Uh huh. Yeah. Hey. That finally. <laughs> okay. Uh, now, detectives believe Mark murdered Christensen for pushing him to fix his collapsing uh, money scheme. Kathy Sheets was killed as a, as a diversion. That's fun. Mark was charged with two counts of murder and 28 counts of fraud and was looking at the death penalty. Okay. The state offered him a plea deal, but his father disagreed because his father believed in blood atonement. What? Dad? No, that's how we raised you, Mark. Dad? Blood atonement. If you agreed to it when you were a child. If he doesn't get killed, he'll, he'll uh, go to hell. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good well, options. He said, this quote, if Satan got a hold of you, son, and you've committed these acts, you should confess and ask for the firing squad so you can be with us in the next life. But, Dad, I don't really believe in it anymore. Oh, Jesus. I'm surprised you, you haven't gathered that at all. Fucking think about it, Dad! 
This is why I did all this shit. This it's like you're not there. I wanted a hug. I told you, we can't hug. That's the... We can! That's the RLDS you want to go to. They're the, uh, they're the huggers. They hug a little too much, if you ask me. The fucking shut up! Okay. You're like a fucking void. Well, you said shut up, so I don't know if you want me to talk We're supposed to care enough to not shut up. All right, your mother and I are gonna go. <laughs> this is when you find some plates in your jail cell. Whoa! I'm Jesus! No, Mark! Damn it. It's a Hail Mary. So is this when the Mormon church was like, I knew Moroni was real. <laughs> Salamander. I didn't buy it for a second. Sounds a little far-fetched if you ask me. I never was, thought I never thought it was real the whole time. No. <laughs> I told you guys, didn't I? In January 1987, Mark pleaded guilty to two counts of second-degree murder, one count of theft by deception, and one count of fraud. He received four concurrent five years to life sentences. What? Yeah, that's not terrible. It isn't. No. Well, it's life. I mean, whatever. The Mormon church was very quiet. Sure they were. They, we don't like to talk about that. <laughs> Ixnay on the Mark A uh, salamander. Yes. Uh, Pick personally paid back the $185,000 loan, and the church excommunicated Mark Hoffman. On what grounds? Being fucking awesome? Yeah. Mark, quote, I won't go so far as to say I wanted to change Mormon history. Let me take that back. Maybe I did. Okay. Anyway, I gotta go with my hand smarts. <laughs> I believe that the documents I created could have been a part of Mormon history. Oh, okay, Mark. Oh, okay. It's not so much what is genuine and what isn't, mm -hmm. it's what people believe is genuine. That's very true. It's like Santa. Yeah. Forever. To me, it is unimportant if Joseph Smith had that vision or not, as long as people believe it. The important thing is that people believe it. Okay, Mark. Good. Last session. It's funny that he, or not funny, but it's a little ironic that he's now ending in the jail cell much like Joseph Smith. Wow. Thank you. In January of 1988, the Board of Pardons met to determine the length of his sentence. He, he was said to be sane, but, quote, inordinately self-centered and possibly narcissistic. Possibly. We're not sure yet. We might need some evidence. About Kathy Sheets' murder, Mark said, quote, as strange as it sounds, it was oh almost a game. No, don't, no. This is the board. In closing, uh, my client would like to say it was a lot like a good game. <laughs> Super fun and really great. I figured it was a 50% chance that it would go off and 50% chance it wouldn't. At the time I made the bomb, my thoughts were that it didn't matter if it was Mrs. Sheets, a child, a dog, whatever. Good, Mark. Keep talking. For sure, keep talking, Mark. You're not helping keep me. Keep going, Mark. Louis C.K. yourself, Mark. Keep, <laughs> keep yapping, Mark. Just keep talking. Talking will clean it up. Keep going. Don't stop, Mark. It's getting better. Mark said the third bomb was meant for himself, but most people thought it was for Brent Ashworth. 
and just accidentally exploded in transit. The board decided he would spend his life in prison. Two months later, inmates said Mark was asking them to blow up members of the board. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my lord. Uh, I don't know if he'll be seeing his dad in the next realm. Jesus. He denied it, but the prison intercepted coded letters asking his wife and others. Those are forgeries! There still wasn't enough evidence to press charges. Uh, There's no way to determine exactly how many forgeries Mark made. At least 83 signatures were faked, including George Washington, John Adams. George Washington! John Quincy Adams, Daniel Boone, John Brown, Andrew Jackson, Mark Twain, Orville Wright, Nathaniel Hawthorne. uh, Orville Wright! John Hancock. Flying is amazing! So, so fun up there! You guys gotta try it. Sincerely, Orville. Gotta go, my hand smarts. John Hancock, Abraham Lincoln, Paul Revere. Abraham Lincoln. I'm gonna start wearing really big stupid hats. (laughs) Honest Abe, P.S. My head hurts. Smarts. In uh, the next year, Mark's wife left him. For what? A few days later, he took a lethal amount of antidepressants. He was revived, but not before lying on his arm unconscious for 12 straight hours. Quote, as a result of the blockage to his circulation, the muscles in his arm are atrophied. The forearm is withered almost to the bone. The fine motor control that enabled him to create some of the most skilled literary forgeries the world has ever seen has irrevocably been damaged. With the loss of his arm, Mark Hoffman will never be able to forge again. Sorry. Sorry, he, I know that, I, no, I'm not trying to make light of the attempt, but he was on his arm for 12 hours. Yeah. And that is gonna change sleep for me for a, a long time. Well, he took, he took pills, so he was, he was out. Yeah, so I, when I over. sleep, I'm pretty out, so I might. I know. There was a, God, what's that band's name? There was a guy who, uh... No. What? Great guesses. These are terrible guesses. Great guesses. Megadeth. 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 Def Leppard. No, there was a guy who did heroin, and he... And the he... Lou Bega, Mama Number 5. <laughs> and he fell asleep like this, bent over, and then when he woke up, he was paralyzed. What? I don't want to know this stuff. <laughs> You've seen me sleep in transit. I do not want to hear this shit. But you're not on heroin or pills. You don't know shit about what I do, David. You don't know me. You don't know what I do. Uh, many of those involved in the Mark Hoffman affair believe the reshaping of Mormon history was his real purpose, consciously or not. In Mark's house, police found evidence that he was forging the 116 lost pages of the Book of Mormon. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. He had, like, his Bohemian <laughs> Rhapsody right Yeah, that was his fucking... Yeah, he was just... He was he about to bring opus. in a nuke. Yeah, yeah. so I found 116... Oh, my God. They'd have been like, Jesus Christ. Mark, what do you need? I want the ocean. We will figure out a way to get it to you. Wow. 
What a crazy story. Jesus Christ. Pretty normal. Yeah. Uh, well. Anyway, so when, when some people, when they rebel against their religion, they really, they really go all the way with it. And some religions, I mean, talk about faith. Holy shit. Good Lord. Yeah. Ah, well. Uh-huh. That's, that's something. Anyway. Yeah. That's Utah. Yeah. 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 Fertile land. Fertile land. What? Huh? What? Nothing. Well, yes. I hope whoever was watching, uh, whatever they were watching on their phone had fun. Yeah. Yeah. And probably the incorrigible Moroni. <laughs> Stinker. Salamander. Salamander. White salamander. He made up salamander. Uh huh. Yeah. And they were just like, fuck, this sounds real. It, but that's when it. you are full of shit, you have to be like, what is crazy, crazy shit that people be like, whoa. Like, you gotta blind them a little bit with it, you know? Like, so he's going big. Salamander. Yeah, yeah. It was a human cat. What? <laughs> what? That's gotta be true. Nobody could think that bullshit up. It's <laughs> crazy. Uh, well, Salt Lake City, thank you guys so much for coming out. We appreciate it. What a wild religion. Thank you guys so much. Thanks for coming out. Thank you. Hey there, people listening to The Dollop. Uh, this is Gareth. Yes, the same guy. I Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, fun half hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this uh, this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army, to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, and September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th, Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it. After it. Let's see you there.